Well, Oregon football's defense has to get better in 2023 if they're going to get back to the Pac-12 championship game. But their safeties have to be better for that to happen. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. That word should be stay, not say or whatever I ended up saying. But regardless, I hope you will like, comment, subscribe wherever you listen to or watch this show if you're doing so on YouTube. Appreciate all of you who have done so already. So I've been waiting to do this position group uh, examination for a while because the safeties for Oregon in 2022 just felt like they didn't make enough plays, at least in the passing game. You know, there there were moments, there were individual sequences, but going into spring football, there are a lot of bodies here and there are a lot of questions here. And we're going to get to several of them, including a couple of your mailback questions today. But just as a starting point, every player who has played safety already in some capacity for the Ducks. That is on the roster, transfer or otherwise. You've got Tysheem Johnson, the Ole Miss transfer. Dan Lanning talked about the other day, and I'll get to in, uh, in, in a moment here. He's wearing number zero, by the way. You have Steve Stevens, who's been here for several years. You have Jamal Hill. We haven't officially heard that he's going to transition to outside linebacker. It's been speculated, reported. It's certainly possible. I think makes a lot of sense in a number of ways. You have Damon David, who was a second or third stringer last year. You had Brian Addison, who I think was the best safety Oregon had last year, and I don't know that it was particularly close, and PFF agrees. Tyler Turner, four-star freshman. Trajan Williams, four-star redshirt freshman. J.J. Greenfield, who has played more than you think and showed some nice things in the Holiday Bowl, and frankly, in all his snaps while he was on the field. Cody DeCambra, a four-star freshman, and Evan Williams, who is uh, the Fresno State transfer and a fifth-year college football player. So when I look at this position group, I say, okay, there's going to be – and you and you may be able to put Connor Soley, the Arizona State transfer, in this group as well because he could play kind of that nickel safety or that star safety position, you know, the – hybrid linebacker safety, but more of a, of a defensive back in the 4-2-5 that Oregon is running here, right? The perfect guy for that role is Javon Holland. Like he is the best 4-2-5 nickel safety Oregon will probably ever have. Well, I mean, okay, I, I don't know that for certain, but he was really, really good. He's the best that we've seen so far in this scheme, but that's a lot of bodies, a lot of names. There's plenty of talent. There's plenty of experience in that room, but Oregon has to get more production out of this group than they had a year ago. And Brian Addison had some nice moments. He had a couple interceptions, some decent coverage spots. But, you know, a couple of you, a couple of you have talked about what, what I think of when I think of Oregon safeties in 2022 and how it always felt like we were missing a true roaming free safety on the back end, you know, uh, a John Boyette type or a Verone McKinley or, you know, someone who just feels like a big time playmaker on the back end. And, and they, they just didn't have that. And that showed up most notably in the Washington game when the Huskies were going over the top. So speed is something that I, I think that position group was lacking in, in 2022, you know, Bennett Williams, Jamal Hill, good players inside the box. But if you ask them to defend over the top as they were required to do seemingly out of necessity a couple times, 
that they just don't quite have that high end speed to be able to, you know, keep the defense or keep the offense from taking the top off the defense. And I think we saw that, you know, several times. I mean, I mean, basically every time Bennett Williams got put into a situation where he had to cover a lot of ground, he was not able to make it. So that's kind of a, a big area where I think Oregon has to improve on the back end because your pass defense is, you know, not that reliant on your linebackers. You need them in coverage, but it's really about your your defensive ends, your starting corners, and your free safety. Those, those are the most important people when you're talking about pass coverage. In that order, by the way, you have to be able to get pressure, get the quarterback off his reads, disrupt his rhythm, disrupt his timing, not allow long developing concepts to materialize down the field. You need corners, the man up on the outside against their best receivers, but you need a playmaker over the top. And, you know, Brian Addison is probably the most likely guy to uh, to do that. I think I forgot to list Brian Addison. Oh, no, I put him in there. Never mind. So, um, but right now, it's hard to predict who the starting group of safeties are going to be. First of all, because we don't know what Jamal Hill is going to do. And second of all, there's no locked-in starter, I feel like, of the three safety positions on this defense except for Brian Addison. I think we should expect to see him as a, as one of the starting safeties. Now, which one? I don't know. Last year, he played mostly free safety. He's big enough, I think, to play some uh, strong safety. Maybe not strong safety, but maybe a little bit of, of that star position. But I'd expect him uh, to be there. But... Uh, first question that came in of two that are most notable on uh, the safeties front. This is from Eric Lammerman. And remember, YouTube comments, Twitter DMs, at Smalls underscore 55 or at Locked on Ducks. Get a question answered here on the show. There's several questions in the mailbag. I always get to them and love the content. You guys have great, great thoughts. So Eric Lammerman asks, on the safeties, how likely do you think the coaches are to move Triquez Bridges to safety? Based on our numbers and talent, albeit somewhat unproven at cornerback, and our need for more dynamic safeties, might Bridges be part of the answer there, along with Tysheem Johnson and Evan Williams? I think the answer to this question is a firm no, because when you look at the depth of numbers at the safety position for the Ducks right now, everybody that I just lift, listed off, I, I don't know if the same depth from an experience standpoint, exists at corner to where you'd want to move Triquez Bridges or that you'd feel like you need to. Now, he was recruited as a safety. He's made the move over to corner. And yes, early in the season in 2022, he struggled. No question about it. As the year went on, he got a lot better. He had a great holiday bowl, by the way. He was really, really good on the outside. And that's kind of what he became as the year went on. He's a good tackler. He's a big body type. And yeah, he has a safeties build at some level, but putting a guy like that at corner has benefits as well. And if he can take another step forward, I, I think his potential is really immense. Now, he does need to improve his man-to-man -man coverage skills, but I think his tackling is solid. I, I like his physical upside. He's got experience at the corner position now. I think his confidence grew a lot as the year went on. So I don't think that he gets moved to uh, gets moved to safety, especially with the additions that they brought in. Now, remember, this is never, never has been, never will be a situation where you just need, you know, top line uh, a talent to be first on the depth chart. Right. Or where you just, you know, have to be concerned about who the starters are, because 
even in the defensive backfield, you're going to have a fair amount of rotation. It happens more, I think, at the corner position, you know, because you put three corners on the field sometimes and safeties, you know, if one guy is playing like Bennett Williams last year, sometimes played that star position. Other times he was playing strong safety and was playing over the top, right? So he kind of had to play at all three levels of, of the defense if they put a third corner on the field and they slid him back to uh, the other safety spot. And, you know, I, I think his brother's more of a free safety type, but I'm, I, I, I have, I have a couple thoughts on, uh, on, on that and what, what could happen there in terms of moving guys around and Dan Lanning had thoughts on positional versatility with one guy in particular, which I'll tell you about after I tell you about FanDuel, which is America's number one sports book. As you are listening to this, the Masters is underway. You can get every bet you can possibly imagine. Props, I mean, go up and down the list. FanDuel's got it. It's also America's number one sports book, and the NBA playoffs are almost here. That's another reason that you should want to download FanDuel. You can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. Don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So you talk about moving guys around. Dan Lanning the other day at practice in his post-practice press conference was asked about Tysheem Johnson, who was brought in, I think, primarily to be that star safety. So, you know, get to my prediction of who the starters will be here in uh, in, in in just a sec. And the the, the two deep. Um, Johnson was brought in primarily, it seemed to be that star role or the nickel safety role. It's all the same thing. But Lanning said that he's a guy who has positional versatility and might slide back to be on the back end of the defense. So I think that, you know, I think he's kind of filling the Bennett Williams role of star safety primarily or nickel safety, whatever you want to call it. And then he can move to the back end if needed. Now, hopefully what Oregon is getting there in Tysheem Johnson, what they didn't have with Bennett Williams a year ago is better high end speed to where Williams can't get exposed or, you know, Williams got exposed several times in coverage, whether it's North Carolina or Washington, or, you know, there, there were probably a couple other instances too, but those are the most notable ones that, that pop into my head is like, he, he just didn't have the speed to be there. So if you're going to put Tysheem Johnson primarily as your nickel safety, but also rotate him back out, if you want to go with a three cornerback set, then that's something that's, that I think really needs to be there is he's got to have, you know, better speed to to have on the back end of the defense, or else you could run into a, a lot of the same issues that Oregon had pass coverage wise in, in 2022. Um, another question on, uh, on, on the safeties front, this was from uh, Andrew Mormon a while back with the sheer speed he has any chance that the ducks play pleasant. That's Roderick pleasant, the incoming true freshman as a center fielding free safety. Because I still have nightmares of Penix going over the top. Yeah, you, you, you and me both, Andrew. So I again don't think this is particularly likely, but I don't think we'll know. I, I think this would be something that could develop during spring football. It's something that could materialize that hasn't at this point in time. But we don't really know. I mean, he's a true freshman, right? I mean, there have been rumors that he could play slot receiver. There, you know, he he's listed as a corner. 
could he go over the top? Maybe, right? I mean, Triquest Bridges was brought in as a safety and he made the transition to corner, you know, pretty early in his career with Oregon. So Lanny and company could look at his speed and say, yeah, we want you to actually learn as a safety and join a talented position group. But I, I think with the depth of talent that they have there, you know, whether it's JJ Greenfield or Cody DeCambra, Trey John Williams, uh, Tyler Turner, guys who were recruited as safeties for that position group. I, I wouldn't say it's impossible, but I'd say, you know, 70, 30, probably not. They're looking at him at the cornerback position because I, I think you're going to have, I mean, you'll have guys leave, you know, Evan Williams is in his fifth year, so there'll be an opportunity, but with all the other guys they have in that safety room, I don't see a position change coming in right now, unless they feel that even the guys they have and brought in are not enough. But when you bring guys in via the transfer portal, when it's a, when it's a guy of Evan Williams' experience or Tyshin Johnson's caliber, you're probably expecting those guys to start, or at least that's what the coaching staff and, and the recruiting staff view those players as, is they're starting caliber players, so we don't need to make that that sort of change. But he could. I mean, I mean, it's it's certainly not... You know, it's why I said 70-30. It's not impossible that you could see Pleasant make that move because he certainly has the sort of high-end speed that you'd want on the back end of your defense. But you want that from your corners as well, right? You want them to be able to run in man-to-man coverage with with those sorts of receivers. And Pleasant, I, I think, could, you know, show a lot of potential on, on, on that front. And I'm really interested to see how he develops because he was literally, I think, one of the three or four, maybe even the fastest player in the 2023 class. Like, that's... That is definitely a name to follow in the secondary going forward. I don't know if he plays a lot this year or or at all, but when he does see the field, interested to see what uh, what he looks like. But bringing this back to to wrap up on on the safeties and uh, my my prediction of the two deep at least right now going into spring football, I think at free safety you'll have Evan Williams start. That's where he played primarily at, at, at Fresno State, and I think that that's um, a, a a position of need there. He could play strong, maybe, but Brian Addison, I think, is going to be another starting safety. And you know, a, a guy who is six foot five, he's he's not as big as uh, a Jamal Hill or you know some other strong safeties that you think about. But Brian Addison's got elite speed. You talk about guys who live up to the athletic billing of being a, a pretty highly rated four star athlete coming out of high school, and he started as a wide receiver. He was okay, not great, had that drop in the Auburn game, but he is he he really came on in certain moments last year uh, on the back end of that defense. I, I just don't see how you leave uh, a guy of of that athletic caliber off of your defense. When when you're talking about and Lanning is discussed as well, needing to have greater team speed. Addison has got that sort of speed, that explosiveness, you know, the play that always, I mean, he had a couple nice interceptions, one against UCLA, almost two against UCLA. Um, he had one against Cal as well. One of those, one of those plays from, from his highlight reel of 2022 that sticks out in my mind is was it was actually a completed pass to that little, um, tiny number 12 slot receiver Hunter Renfro looking guy on Washington State. I think Farrell was his name, something like that. But he he had a quick hitter on an RPO over the middle and Addison came up and just popped him. And Farrell held on 
and made the catch. But I remember the the speed with which Addison entered the play, made the hit, and the guy held on. That was just like a tip your cap moment because I, I, I thought his instincts were pretty good and his explosiveness is there. And I think he's big enough to be a guy who could play a little bit more down in, in the box. Now, those guys could switch, right? I think you could have Williams play, you know, more strong safety and Addison be a free safety, which is what he was last year. But I, I think those two, along with Tysheem Johnson, are probably your your starting safeties in, in some form or fashion, right? And th- this will be an interesting thing to follow from a depth chart standpoint as spring football goes along is how do they move around? How do they you know, you know, grayed out in the eyes of the coaches at each position or, you know, how do they want to use their safety? Do they want to bring a strong safety into the box or do they just want to, you know, primarily play with no more than seven, uh, you know, in, in the box at any point in time with the uh, the nickel safety being the other one. So, you know, Tysheem Johnson, um, you, you watch his highlight reels. It's a lot of tackles, a lot of plays made inside the box. So I, I don't think he's someone who, you know, will will start at a, at a spot like free safety, but could rotate there the way Bennett Williams did uh, a year ago. Now, who in terms of who's going to be behind those guys? Like, let's say Addison's at. Um, I, I think Addison will probably be free safety. Williams strong, and then Tyshim Johnson at at the nickel safety spot. Picking the backups there can be kind of tricky. I think Steve Stevens at free safety is a pretty easy pick, just given his his experience. I think JJ Greenfield could play more than than people realize, but the the number two nickel safety, don't know. I, I, I honestly, do not know. I'm not sure who's well suited to fill that spot. Maybe Jamal Hill if he doesn't move to outside linebacker and they just play him at you know the the nickel spot, which is certainly something he's done several times over the years. I could definitely see that, but I think he could have a role at outside linebacker and could could fit very well. Um, but but I'm I'm curious to see like who you know rotates in amongst the guys who we've seen before, but maybe haven't wowed us. You know, like Steve Stevens, like Jamal Hill, like Damon David has played a little bit. He was a four star recruit when he committed. JJ Greenfield has has played, or does a does a new guy emerge? Right, one of the young guys, Tyler Turner or Cody DeCambra is a true freshman. Trajan Williams is a redshirt. I, I think there there are a lot of different ways that that uh, that that position group could go. So, if you got any more questions on uh, on the safeties, kind of where they stand right now, by all means, drop them in the comments or hit me up on Twitter as always. All right, let's uh, end the show with a little bit of basketball talk and. Uh, a recruit that Oregon is after in the 2023 cycle that at the very least you'd have to say is interesting. The idea of adding Bronny James to Oregon is interesting. Now, he probably projects as a one and done, but when you're looking at at what Oregon had this past season and what they didn't have, we know that they had a historically bad shooting season. And Bronny James is is a big name, right? That's what makes it interesting, right? Like it's it's Bronny James. LeBron would be on campus all the time. I'm sure students would be more than down to have Bronny James and LeBron around the program. The connection there with Nike, very real. I, I think that's probably the biggest reason Oregon uh, is is in on him here. I wonder how much you know Phil wants LeBron's kid to to put on the Ducks jersey. But looking at him as a player, 
he could have a role with the Ducks. And in the McDonald's All-American game, I think that's what it was, he showed the shooting stroke big time. He hit like five threes, was you know almost exclusively doing that in, in that particular game. He has a more well-rounded game maybe than what he showed, but you watch him go up against high-level high school competition and hit five triples in a game, you say, boy, that's kind of what Oregon needs is a knockdown shooter. And we don't know yet what's happening with, with Brendan Rigsby, who was a junior college transfer from last year and, you know, played some and look, he, he, he was scrappy. He just was around the ball a lot, just a solid player, but didn't shoot the ball the way he was capable of. If he were to transfer out and you replace that role as like a backup combo guard with Bronny James, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed. Like Oregon's guards going into next year as of right now, Keyshawn Bartholomew, Jermaine Kuznard, and and Jackson Shellstad. If you had some combination of those four guys as your guard players, I think you've upgraded your shooting from from what it was this year. And look, more than anything, the appeal of Bronny James to Oregon might be the name. Like at some level, you know, I, I was a little bit more until I saw him play a bit and his stock has continued to rise. I was more in the camp of, ah, he's a bigger name than he is, you know, a player. And, and, and at some level that might be true, you know, Arch Manning kind of got the same treatment. Like, you know, we talked about it with, with John Garcia a lot here on the show that Dante Moore was the number one quarterback, not Arch Manning, but Arch Manning was the number one quarterback in everybody's eyes and that's what he ended up being rated as but he got that little extra bump because his last name was manning right still would have been top five still would have been a top 10 player overall but had a little bit of outsized hype because his name is manning and i think there there may be part of that with with Bronny james but then you, you hear nba draft scouts talking about him and he could be a top 10 pick and would, would i take a year of Bronny james if it got more people watching games, if it got more people into Matthew Knight Arena, then yeah, I, like honestly, I would. And I also think he's a good player and he's a scoring combo guard. He's he's honestly, from what I've seen from him, he could be a lot like Keyshawn Bartholomew. He's just a scorer. Just 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 go out there, shoot, and score. And Bartholomew in conference play was something like forty one percent from three. You know, once he got healthy, got his feet under, and was playing. He was our best three-point shooter by a long shot. If you told me you added another guy like that who was just out there really to do one thing, and that was score, I think, you, you know, Bronny looks like he's a pretty good defender as well. I'd be interested. So should Oregon stay in the running here? Yeah, I, I think adding a fourth freshman in the 2023 class, I'd be okay with that. You got K.J. Evans, you got Jackson Shellstead, you got Mookie Cook coming in. If you added Bronny James to the mix, I think he could have a role, and, and I – I, I do wonder, you know, how much would he play because of the expectation that Brownie James is going to play? But I, I don't think getting excitement, interest, and intrigue on your program with a player who has a big name but also has a talent and and could fill a, a spot in your rotation, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. So I, I would look at Brownie James. I'd be down for him to come to Oregon. And he's still he's still out there, right? He's still out there in the 2023 cycle. So we'll just have to wait and see how it all plays out keep the questions coming youtube and on twitter at smalls underscore 55 or at locked on ducks appreciate everyone listening have a wonderful rest of your day and go ducks